0: Hi, I'm Kaylee Moore. And I'm Emma Samasco.
1: Welcome to Freelance Writing Coach, your new go-to podcast for building a freelance writing business.
0: In each 20-minute episode, we'll do a deep dive into one area of business with the hope that our insights as successful freelance writers will educate and inspire you. This season of Freelance Writing Coach is sponsored by Select Few. Select few provides transparent, flexible marketing teams made of pre-vetted freelancers.
1: Establish action plans, discover missing pieces, and then build and manage a team of pros in everything from copywriting to Facebook ads to web design and outsourced sales. No white labeling, no markups, just flexible teams of expert marketers ready to get to work. If you run a business and need help with marketing, head to selectfew.co. And if you're a pro freelancer looking to work with new clients, head to the same address or send an email over to team at selectfew.co. Tell them Kaylee and Emma sent you. So on our very first episode of this new podcast, Emma and I are talking about something that is a fairly common issue when it comes to freelance writing. And it's the thing where freelance writers don't really think of what they're doing as a business. So maybe they think of it as a hobby or a side gig or if it is, you know, a stint between two other careers, it's kind of a short-term, short-lived thing. And I think this is something a lot of people think about when they think about freelancing. Just in general, they think it's not a full-time career, it's not a business, it's not a big operation. And so We're going to get into the myth of that statement today and kind of do some real talk around the fact that it 100% can be a business. And so, Emma, my first question for you is, why do you think the, the common conception is that freelancing isn't a business? Let's kind of get into that before we get into why it is. Sure. So I hear a lot of people talking about doing freelancing as
0: kind of like a contract gig. Like they work for someone, it's off the cuff. It's Even if they are doing it seriously as a career and they want to be a career freelancer, they are treating it as though they are just sort of an individual who's self-employed, who's working for clients as opposed to like, this is a business that I'm going to build over time. I'm going to use business practices like I don't know, something as simple as a profit and loss statement (laughs) from from your accountant. Um, I think that also freelance writing, most people come to it as creatives, right? So like, we are conditioned, I think, to think like, this is my art. I'm not a business person. I'm a writer. The business stuff is is often not super interesting to us at the beginning. And I know it, it wasn't for me, but over time, I've learned that, um, thinking of my career my freelance writing as a business has made the difference and and allowed me to grow it
1: how about you like what what do you think is is going on here for people i think for me when i left my full time job to try this full time i was very much in the mindset of like i'll give myself 18 months to see if this works I really have no idea. I'm going to work really hard at it, but I, I really don't know what I'm doing. So I'm just kind of like winging it. And so <laughs> yeah. I remember that first year being like flying by the seat of my pants and just being like, holy shit, I hope this doesn't fail. I hope I don't crash and burn. So I think it kind of took me a while before I started thinking about what I was doing as a business. I think I always wanted to do things right. Like I created a business plan I created like a retirement plan for myself. I got an accountant. So I did some of the the right things. I took some of the right steps, but I still felt... And it was probably just imposter syndrome, but I felt like what I was doing was very ad hoc, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And I think that because as a freelancer, you're starting out at least as a business of one, that there often is this feeling of, I'm learning as I go, I'm flying by the seat of my pants. Um, And that I have often felt like, well, I didn't go to business school, but I became self-employed and over the years, I've learned many lessons that I'd like to think I would have learned in business school as well. So yeah, I mean, I think when I quit, there were, when I quit like my day job to become a freelancer, there were things that I knew needed to happen to make it viable, but I wasn't sure about like how I would separate things out. Like even when we talk about freelance writing as a business, it's also like, do you have a separate bank account for your business? Like, it's not just sort of the idea of a business. It's, it's like, I don't know. One thing that comes up as a freelancer is the business is you. And so you are caught up in all of these other things, like your mortgage payment, your other responsibilities, your cats and your dogs and everything else. And So to think of it as a business is to sort of dedicate the space for it. I often think it's like the financial space for it of just like having a bank account that is for the business and you pulling money out of that as opposed to just like everything kind of gets dumped into your personal account and you're like, you know, an expense comes up. I, I think actually expenses is an important thing to talk about. And I don't know how you think about it in your business, but for me, it's like if I'm making an expense, if I'm just deciding to make an investment, let's say in the mic I'm using to to create this podcast. It's not sort of a personal decision of like can I buy groceries or can I buy the mic? It's like, well, what's in my business account, right? Because the money mm-hmm. for the groceries has has already come out. So for me, it's like kind of a financial differentiation, but that financial differentiation, I think allows you to grow because it makes you not afraid of making investments.
1: Yeah. I think that makes sense. I think as you were talking, that kind of stirred up another thought in my mind of like, I think that has a lot to do with confidence building too. Like unless you see yourself as fully invested, fully leaning into your freelance business as a business, it's really hard to go into conversations with potential clients or current clients feeling really confident about what you're doing and about your skills and about your ability to charge high rates because you in your mind are like just grateful that you get to hang out in your pajamas at home all day and like you don't have to go into the office. And so it almost feels like you're getting away with something. Like, did you ever, did you ever feel that? Did you ever <laughs> wrestle with that? Yes, I wrestled with that, that I'm getting away with something. But also what you've
0: said makes me think about the confidence in charging higher rates. So if you sort of personally are like, it's crazy that anyone would pay me $100 an hour to write this, for example, that sort of gets twisted up in who you are and your personal identity. Whereas if it's a business that's asking for that $100 an hour or whatever it may be, it kind of separates it out. So that's, I mean, I've definitely wrestled with it too, with like, my sense of self-worth is tied to like what I'm charging. And then when I've been able to say like, well, it's actually a business, it's not really about me, that's made it easier to ask for more of what I need and create processes for the business. It sounds like that you've had that experience too.
1: Yeah, I think once, I, th- I think it's kind of a mindset thing, really. When I step back and look at it, it's really a matter of like, am I gonna go all in on this? Am I gonna really commit to this as, like you said, an entity separate from myself. And again, there is that protection that you talked about where you're kind of adding a layer between you and the work that you're doing because it's especially with writing. You know, like you said, it feels like your art. And when you get any sort of constructive criticism or negative feedback, whatever it might be, it feels like such a personal attack. And it's not. It's it's not business. I mean, it's not personal, it's business, right? So, I think that it is a good protective layer, especially for the super sensitive. I'm over here raising my hand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but me too. Me too. But yeah, it's a tough thing. And I think I'm trying to think of when the turning moment was for me or the turning point was for me when I really started like, hey, I'm a business. When I started thinking that and feeling that and kind of like living that in the day to day. Do you know when it was for you? Well, I was curious from you because when I met you,
0: you actually to me we're a business person, like you were operating Lumen, which was kind of this general yes. social media and content marketing consulting business. And when you first started out, you kind of, you weren't using Kaylee Moore. I'm the freelancer and over time that built. So that's what I'm curious about. Like, it's almost like at the beginning you were like, well, I need a layer. I need to look like a legitimate business, but tell me what was actually going on there.
1: <laughs> I think that that's such, I'm glad you brought that up. I think that that's so true. I feel like me operating as like a branded entity was very much a facade that made me feel more professional because nobody knew who nobody knew who Kaylee Moore was. Like I didn't have any credibility, so I thought if I have a fancy website and a brand name, then that lends itself to me looking more professional, more credible, more hireable. When in reality, I think the truth is once I moved away from that and started using my name and face and really leaning into my area of specialization. Only doing the freelance writing, not social media and graphic design, and a lot of different services. Once I really niched down and made that transition, that's when things really started ticking off for me. And that wasn't till probably two and a half, three years into my business.
0: Yeah. So that that comes up for me, like just having known you and watched your journey, but also thinking about my own and sort of that. I think when we think of ourselves as like. Kaylee Moore or Emma Samasco and saying like, well, I'm the business. There's a lot wrapped up in that because we're sort of selling ourselves, right? Like when people want to work with us, they want to work with us. And one of the things that I've struggled with is I've built a team. So now I have subcontractors that work for me that do some of the writing. And I've rebranded my business a little bit to say, well, it's stories by us. It's not just Emma Samasco, So I'm sort of positioned, it's almost like I've gone in the opposite direction from you in a sense where I've mm-hmm. been like, okay, I want like a more general name. My face is still on the website. And so my point here is there's many ways to skin a cat, right? Like I think that mm-hmm. if you are more comfortable operating as a business, that's fine. But if you are a business of one, like you have to recognize that people are still buying you. Like to me, I'm not sure it's important if you were using the name Kaylee Moore, you were using a business name. What's really important is that like they are getting you. Like it was going to be your picture. It was going to be your words. It was going to be so that, that I think is where freelancers struggle. Like even just talking about it now, it's like, how do you sell yourself. And I think that like when I see, when I'm on Instagram and I see some influencer type who's like, especially because I have a kid and there's like so many influencers out there who are like, my perfect day with my, like, you know, my children and why don't don't you buy this diaper? Whatever they do, you know what they do. It's like any, any mom knows that content, but My point is, is that like, they're like selling themselves. They're like selling their family. And one thing that's like so tough, I think as a freelancer is like, well, where do I draw the line between selling myself as a professional and like selling my, my, my child? Like I'm not particularly comfortable showing my, you know showing my child in a diaper to say, buy these diapers. But I don't know. This is a tangent, Kaylee. But do you see, do you you know (laughs) what I'm talking about here? Where like when you're selling yourself, there's like, there's some complicated stuff
1: that happens. Oh, hundred percent. And I feel like selling is not an easy, natural thing for any human being. It's just a Ah! really difficult thing. Really? I think like we are all natural salespeople. You think so? Oh, man. I think it's so hard. I hate it. I really hate it. Oh, this is- Maybe that's a different question though. Liking it versus being inclined and like being good at it are two different things. But
0: don't you think that if you really believe in, like, let's take the freelancing out of it. Like, if you really love a pair of sweatpants that you own that very naturally you say to your best friend, like, oh, Kaylee, you got to buy these sweatpants. They're so comfortable. Like, I think- I think when we Mm -hmm. have something of value, it's easy to sell someone on it. But maybe that's really interesting. But you know what? I think that as long, the longer and longer I'm in business, the more and more I think of myself as a salesperson and the more and more like I realize like maybe I'm a really good salesperson. Then that's like, I feel like now these days, 90% of my job is sales. And that's another I do too. thing, I do, too.
1: right? Yeah, I do-, I do too. And it's, it's definitely evolved. And I feel like that's one of the things that people get really hung up on with freelancing is that they don't know how to do that piece of it, or they're intimidated by it, or it feels gross, and they can't get out of their head about it. But yeah, 100%. And on top of that, there's also this very negative connotation that comes with calling yourself a freelancer. Mm, so sometimes yeah, I feel right. like it's like almost a dirty word, you know, like, it's something, like I said, that you do in between jobs or like it's something you do to get by. It's not a viable, like successful business, which you and I can both testify to the fact that a hundred percent it is. And there are lots of other people out there who are figuring out how to make it work. It's just that, I don't know, public perception is kind of like twisted things a little bit.
0: Yeah. And that brings up another question of like, should you use the title freelancer? Which is maybe a departure from the topic about thinking freelance about freelance writing as a business but at the same time like I don't really use use the word very often. Mm-hmm. I think of myself more as a consultant or like a storytelling consultant which sounds like not even a real job and like sounds so silly but I really struggle with this personally. I don't think there's an answer because I see what you do and I think that you owning the term freelance writer is like working for you so well because I think you're like, I'm basically like in the top percent, top 1% of freelance writers and I'm helping other freelance writers and let's just call a spade a spade. Like, I think that's more your attitude about it where I feel like I have this thing where I'm like, I'm working, I I don't know, I'm like sensitive to like, I'm working with these founders of tech companies and like, do they want to work with a freelance writer or do they want to work with like, a branding consultant that's going to help them, you know. I I think, again, it's one of those things where like you can choose what works best for you and you and I both have chosen sort of different paths on this. I don't know. I mean, I definitely am a freelance writer. I spend like, well, I told you, I spend like 80% of my time in sales these days, but, you know, I'm doing a lot of
1: writing. Like that's what it is at its core. So, yeah. And I don't know that the title even matters that much. Like, honestly, you could change it up from email to email, depending on the situation, you can change, you know, the totally. title that you call yourself in the signature of your email. I don't think that that's what really matters. And what's what gets people hired at the end of the day, I think, really, it's more about the body of work, you have to show the experience, the specialization, the subject matter expertise, the referrals that you get, because those are basically pre green lighted. So I always tell people like, don't get too hung up on what you call yourself because that can always change and evolve um, and focus more on what kind of like social proof and what results can you bring to the table when you get in the door with those conversations and say like, yeah, I call myself a freelance writer, but I've done X, Y, and Z. And here's my track record. And here's some of the clients that I've worked with. The title just becomes kind of obsolete. It's not an important piece of the conversation anymore.
0: Yeah. And, and piggybacking on that, clients don't care what you call yourself. Like they, they don't care what they care is that they get the value out of you that they want. Like they come to you because they have a problem that needs to be solved. And if you can solve that problem, they don't care if you're calling yourself a freelance writer, a marketing consultant. And like you said, they just, oftentimes they want to know, like, have you done work like this before? And that's sort of another, like, I think that freelance writers also get hung up on that question because they're like, well, I haven't done this work before. It means I'm not worth hiring, which I'm always like, no, there are ways around this. You have to start somewhere. But I think in general, new freelance writers often get hung up on like, well, what should I call myself? And what should my website look like? And what are the exact services I should provide? And what's the exact rate I should provide? And for me, it's like, if you can provide value, if you think you can bring something to the table, like just jump in jump in Mm -hmm. and figure it out? Because I think, I I think you'd agree that that's how we both figured out how to be successful doing this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And early in my career, I said yes to so many things that I had no clue about, but I knew myself enough to know that I would take the time to do the research, to figure it out, to be resourceful, to make it work. Yeah. So much I think of building a successful business, capital B business is that quality. Exactly. It doesn't matter what you call yourself. It it basically comes down to, can you do what you said you were going to do? And can you do it on time? And can you do a good job at it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I often, like I've told coaching clients before, they come to me with all these things that they think are problems. And I'm like, well, do you have a client? (laughs) Because until you have a client, a lot of these questions about like, well, what do I call myself? What am I doing? Like, they don't really matter because once you have some of that experience, it becomes like a lot easier to sell yourself. And I think, you know, when we were talking about the, the sweatpants that I was selling you earlier I think that once you've done the work and someone comes to you and they want that same type of work you then have the confidence to be like oh yeah that's something that I've done before like, it really helps this client over here. And then it doesn't even feel like sales anymore, right? Like it Mm -hmm. just feels like you're like, oh yeah, that's the value I provide.
1: Duh. Right. Those are the sweatpants that I love, period. End of story. Like they're the best. (laughs) That makes a whole lot of sense. I've never thought about it that way. I'm so glad you brought that up. I'm going to be thinking about that for days.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that there are a lot of misconceptions about what sales is. And I think that I don't know, in the real world, it's not like this slimy used car salesman. It's really like recommending something that you believe in. And I don't want to sell my clients on anything that I don't believe in. So if I think I can do a good job, if I think I can do it on time, all of those things, then it's kind of easy for me to say, yeah, I can help you, right?
1: Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. So, so one other question I have for you then about Running a business and really thinking of things as a business. Are there any like tools or things that you did oh, yeah. that really made it stick within your mind? Like, I'm a business person.
0: Oh, Kaylee, I want to hear your answer to this, but I just feel like I'm thinking, things, I don't yet, know. <laughs> I feel like just things like hiring an accountant. Like, yeah. when I was young, hiring an accountant, like just the idea of that sounded like the craziest thing ever. And in fact, I, my best friend from high school texted me once and she was like, hey, can you FaceTime? And I was like, oh, sorry, I have a meeting with my accountant. And she was like, you have an out. And like, uh, and it was just like, well, of course I have an accountant. I run a business, right? Like to, you know, she doesn't need an accountant. She has like a regular W-2, whatever. But that even, even in moments like that, I'm like, oh, this is a business, right? Like I have an accountant, yeah. like hiring a business lawyer to do my contracts. I'm like, oh, this is a business. Even like when I have to pay the state of California an ungodly, unseemly amount to be registered <laughs> in this state, I'm like, okay, I'm a business. And again, when I talked about those separate bank accounts earlier, like, yeah, it hurts to pay. I think it's $800 a year to the state of California. But like when it comes out of my business account, it's like, well. Cost of doing business. Like, I don't know. That makes it a lot easier to swallow swallow. Whereas, like, if it's coming out of your grocery budget to pay to keep the lights on, right. It's also just like impossible to quantify, like if you're running a profitable business, I think, unless you keep things separate. But how about for you? Like, what are things that made you feel like, yeah, this is a business?
1: Definitely the separate bank account. I would agree with you there. I think also getting invoicing software, which I use wave. I use the free version. I actually do use their bookkeeping services now. So that's one thing I pay for, but being able to send like consistently branded, consistent looking invoices was a big thing for me. Cause before I was just like making random PDFs that were impossible to pay through credit card. So that made me feel like a little bit more professional yeah. and like business oriented. Also, getting an accountant—that was another one. Well, I was gonna.
0: I want to know more about your accounting, even though I know this episode isn't about accounting. But while we're thinking about <laughs> running a business, when you are you just you are you using QuickBooks also,
1: or are you using Wave for everything? So I'm using Wave for all of my bookkeeping, and then I have an accountant who handles all of my taxes. Okay, so my okay. I pay my taxes monthly, and then she does my gear end filing as well. So okay. got it. Yeah. 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 And what about Tom? you.
0: For anyone listening, I'm you're, for anyone interested in what I'm doing with my uh, accounting, I use FreshBooks and I use it because supposedly it's easy to use as a small business owner, which it is. And I work with an accountant. I pay taxes quarterly, but same as you. My accountant does a, the annual annual filing. But yeah, I was just curious. FreshBooks also does the invoices. So like, it sounds like you're using Wave. I'm using FreshBooks, mm-hmm. but you know, it's kind Main of... purposes, yeah. Yeah. I do think that that is something that like really starts to make you feel like it's a business. And then there's other small things like even for me, like getting branding done, like getting a logo, even Mm -hmm. the first logo I got that I paid a friend to make that felt like, oh yeah, it's a business. I could put it on a business card.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think, I think the other things for me were just like, Building up a portfolio of work that I could put on my website, that made it feel more yeah. official. Whereas before it was just kind of like, I'll do whatever you'll pay me to do, <laughs> which sounds terrible, but, but that's how we had- Yes, exactly it is. And we'll have to get into that whole story in another episode, or maybe we'll do like an introduction episode. I don't know. But yeah, I think just being able to be like, I have a curated portfolio of work. With clients that I actually wanted to work with. Like that to me was like, I'm a business. I'm not just getting by. Like, I'm, there's some strategy behind this madness. Like, I know what I'm doing.
0: Yeah. And on top of that, too, I think like the ability to make investments, like you talking about, like, oh, I have this portfolio of work. I kind of know what I'm doing. When you and I decided to run Domina, I felt like we were like, oh, well, we're running successful businesses. So, like, taking on a risk felt something manageable. like It felt like it was a calculated risk. We understood the trade-offs. We weren't exactly sure how much money we might make or not make. But I don't know. I feel like once things, once things become a business for you, it also opens up the world of possibility. And that is why you should think about freelance writing as a business. Because once you
1: do, the world is your oyster, I think. It can go any direction. Yeah. And for people who don't know what Domina is, that was a retreat that Emma and I put together last year in Austin for a group of female freelance writers, brought a group of probably about 15 women together. And and that was really super fun. I hope we get to do that again once Well, if things ever go back to normal. Okay. Yeah, just for a little context, if you're like, what's Domino?
0: (laughs) Yeah, and that's not the first sort of venture we've tried out together. We've been doing things together over the years, but that was like the first, I think, big risk we took together, and yeah, it was... It's one of, one of my most gratifying experiences as a freelancer, even though it wasn't doing writing. So yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think, I think we could probably talk for hours and hours about this one question, but this is probably a good place for us to wrap up. Are there any other like final thoughts you want our listeners to, to walk away with this episode with like top of mind?
0: I don't think so. I think that again, like I said, if you think of your freelance writing career as a business, it doesn't just have to be freelance writing either. Like the world's your oyster. How about you? Any, any other final thoughts?
1: No, I think, I think that that's, that's very true. I think it's just a matter of shifting your mindset and as woo woo as that sounds like it's true. It's just, it's that simple. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to this episode of Freelance Writing Coach. If you want more tips, tricks, and
0: resources for building your business, visit FreelanceWritingCoachPodcast.com. PodcastEdition.com provided editing and Ali Rico provided writing assistance.